Hemshech Chaim Beis, Volume 1. Continuing the discussion, we uh, did Chapter 57. Before we go to 58, I want to just review 57 properly. It may be even worthwhile relearning it because of its um, profundity. So let me try to uh, review it. And then we'll take it from there and we'll see how it goes. Okay. After establishing in Discourse 14, so we're on page, uh, you know, chapter 57 is pages 104 through 106. Chapter 58 begins on 106. So we're in Discourse 15. After discussing in Discourse 14, in the Shaftim, here, was a, a uh, began the discussion of what is Eirein Sof, and the key, the key theme of the of that discourse, meaning from chapters fifty three through fifty six, was the distinction between Eir and Shafa, two types of emission. Divine transmission. So Eir. And Shefa are both used as ways to explain how something is transmitted from a source to a recipient. The truth is all energy has the same issue, the transmission. Not just the generation of generating energy, but also how it reaches from one place to the next. So generally speaking, Aaron Shefa can be interchangeable until he explains the details. Why the Kabbalists use the word Er, and the, as he said, the Chokram, the philosophers, use the word Shefa. So in explaining Er and Shefa, the distinction between these two types of omission, um, explains three key differences. Shefa is something of substance. It's a substantial type of omission. You're, you're emitting something of substance. Let's define substance. Substance doesn't necessarily mean physical. It can be spiritual substance. It can be energy. When you transmit or emit something of substance, there are other two things that happen as a result. One is it affects and impacts the one who's transmitting or emitting the source and the recipient, of course. And the second thing is it requires an effort, a commitment, uh, applying yourself, being contained and confined by the activity you're involved in. Ur, on the other hand, is also an emission. It also emits energy. But it's not of substance. Meaning the, the, the item that's being transmitted is really a reflection of something, almost like an automatic reflection. The source is there. It gives off something. It emits. In the first, in the, in the Shafa, water has to be admit, transmitted from one place to another, distributed from one place to another. Um, charity, in the physical examples, faculties, you need to throw something. Because of its substance, there is a, an act taking place here. It's not just an automatic thing that happens out of, without any... any uh... So air is therefore lack substance, and thus the two factors, that it does not impact the source. Meaning it doesn't make a difference to the sun if it's shining or not shining, and if it's cloudy day or not. And it doesn't require that, that effort the tirde and as he put it. 
So these are two types of emission which come to explain the, 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 the running theme of all of I am Bayes is the two types of energy, which of course comes to explain the interface. There's an energy that flows from the divine that it is catered to, tailored to, with a purpose, a function, inyone lifel as he puts it, a function of reach, creating, related, it's, as he said, it's necessary, it's, it's, in this, it's, it's for the purpose and function for creation, and it is a, um, in order to be internalized. In existence, without that purpose, this type of energy wouldn't exist. This is similar to shefa. So it's a deliberate effort. There's something of substance. There's a definition involved: ten spheres, the structure of existence, and so on. It's still on the energy level, meaning it's still an emission from the divine. It's a divine energy. Very clear. It's not existence per se, but it's the energy that will shape existence. So in that sense, it's similar to shefa. Still remain, remember it's still an air, it's still connected to its source, it's doing its source, it's not wavering from that. And then there's a form of emission that does not have that particular, does not have a function. All it is, is the natural flow from the source. The natural flow. If God expresses himself, that's air. Without getting into how he wants to express himself in a particular way. Now, Atmos obviously doesn't need to express himself altogether. So there's no air altogether if you talk about the essence, the essence. But once he wants to express himself, it's air. And if you're going to give it a name, it's desire, as he said. But beyond that, there's no shape and no form. And therefore, all three elements. There's nothing of substance, it's iron. It's completely nullified and completely subjugated to be an expression of the divine. As opposed to the first level that I mentioned, which is the imminent energy, that will become manifest in existence, that in its root has a plan. There's a plan involved. So there's a, not, there's not, you can't call it an effort, so to speak, because God doesn't have to work at it, but there is a uh, commitment to it. There's a containment. It's called ten spheres, ten hidden spheres, not twenty, not a thousand, not infinite. In this case, it's just iron. And thus, the other two elements as well come into play. The energy, the lower energy, meaning the imminent energy, that has the purpose, the function, inyone lifel, to function and to come into existence. Let's say the is. In order to be internalized in existence, there, there is a, a, a deliberate effort. There, it does have impact, and it changes things. Not God forbid in the essence of the divine, but there's, something has changed. It's no longer infinite light. It's something else specific. Now he hasn't discussed that element of it because it wasn't so relevant to the, to the nimshal, but in the marshal it's very clear. Whereas the first energy is absolutely automatic, so to speak, meaning it doesn't require that effort and it doesn't have that impact because there's nothing of substance being transmitted. The examples he's used for this has been... Um, for the for the transcendent energy, sunlight, and the soul's energy. He also thrown the example of a fire that warms metal. These come to explain that the energy that comes out of the sun, the light of the sun, is is in that sense the substance you don't have. What you have is, and therefore, there's no impact on the source. 
There's no shino or spilus in the source. And it doesn't require tear, there's no effort on the part of the sun. The soul, the same thing. You're talking about a state of ayin, a state of not substance. The energy that comes is just basically the soul has energy. The, so, the sun has light. As opposed to Shefa would be a teacher who applies himself, I'm going to teach. Or any intelligence invested in a particular activity, to throw something, to draw something. There, there's a particular function and a particular investment going on. Whereas it comes to this type of energy, the transcendent energy is rooted in oil, where there's, there's ayin, there's no substance. Something is happening, but it's an automatic process, so to speak. Let me qualify automatic as we'll soon discuss. It doesn't mean automatic that it has to happen. It means it doesn't require any effort. And therefore, it is also no impact on the source. So now, the limitations in these two examples was also clarified at the end of the last the discourse that the, the soul's energy is confined to a body and not can give life to another body. Thus, the soul, the sunlight, gives us a better picture how Aryan self is everywhere equally and not just confined to one part of existence. On the other hand, on the other hand, the soul, the sun, has to has to illuminate, and that's not fitting to the example above because God doesn't have to give off light. So the example there fits more the soul. The soul is a giluritseni. So we have both advantages when we talk about the transcendent energy. It is desired, it's willed, it's not a it has to, God must illuminate, God forbid. But the way it illuminates is without effort. So it seems like a contradiction because you'd think if something is by desire, by will, it should take effort because you have to will it. Like the teacher has to desire to teach. No, but the soul gives us an example of something that can conceal itself, but when it illuminates, it doesn't require an investment. So we have here an example of something that is coming by choice and without an investment, without an, that type of effort. The truth is, it doesn't say it here, that with, uh, with the soul, at the end of the day, it requires an effort to withhold it, an effort, not an effort, when it goes into the body of an animal, like he gave the example, or it conceals, that Abraham, Avram Avinu concealed his, completely concealed his love for his child, for his son, by the Akedah, that is, didn't come easily. So obviously above, we don't have that issue. But the point being here, that you, the key emphasis here is the rotsen of it, that there's something that is willed here, that it's not an automatic process. To distinguish that God is not like the sun, where God is, like he says in other places, that the primary thing of godliness is not to give off light, whereas the primary thing of the sun is to give off light. Okay. And one more key thing to add here is that what we have now is two dimensions of divine expression, and this is the key to the interface of Ayin Beis. One is that we have a representation of godliness that comes into existence, and that is Eir. Because Eir, because it's Me'ein Hamoyer, the transcendent energy, because it's not being defined by its, its, its function, which is to illuminate the world and to be internalized in them. Thus, you have here a, a expression. So to speak, when you have a translator, you want to have an interface, you need to have something representing the divine and something representing existence. Now we have something that represents the divine. It's not etzem, it's not atmos, 
but it's as close as you can get to it in the world of expression. Because remember, Atzimus, the essence, is built in Mitzvah Nimtza. It's altogether an existence we can't relate to. But Oyer is a Mitzvah Nimtza. It's how Atzimus, if you're going to look, that's why he used the expression, remember, the, it was an interesting set, he says, you can't call it any name, but if you give it a name already, it's desire, it's Ratzin, meaning a name that doesn't have any definition. So in the world of expression, of, of, of expression which is the beginning of our reality, we have in a representation from the divine that doesn't have any limitations, doesn't have effort, and so on. And then we have, the, remember, an interface to work. You also need something that represents, that connects it to our existence. So we have on the energy level, a second agent, so to speak, a divine agent that manifests itself, bislapsus and will become the kav that will later become energies inside containers till the point that we have an existence of a, of a, of a uh, we have a world that has distinction, a multitude of creatures, billions and billions and trillions of different distinctions that all are, are, are energized by the divine, all rooted because there is an um, application. God applies himself to create. That means he's internalized like the teacher, where this type of energy is something of substance, of definition, requires an effort, and is thus also has an impact. Now, obviously, in Atmos it doesn't have an impact, but on that level of energy, it has an impact because it's relevant to that level of energy that what happens here in this, in, on, on the level of existence. So that's what he said earlier. Also, the expression he said: "There's Nivru and there's Bara. There's how God." Things are created from God, emerge from God, but then there's God, how God manifests. Expression he used, um, where did he use that expression? Uh, top of page 96. Beginning of chapter, uh, in, the, in the middle of chapter 53, he said, That when God creates, it's not just an automatic process, there's a slapsus, he actually manifests himself. And that's the difference between Nivra and Bara. So, yes, there's an aspect of the divine that existence is just, doesn't require any effort. But then there's an expert. Now, sometimes you have an expression, God did not any effort in creating, but then you have the expression that six days he creates and Shabbos he rests. Obviously, we don't mean rest tired. It means that he's gone, he's, he's manifested himself in the six days. That's in the Er HaGvul, that's saying like the Shir Atzmei Bekeach, where he envisions and assesses and evaluates what he's going to create. And then the Shabbos, where he goes back, so to speak, to his more natural place. When he said also that the two examples in the chapter where we spoke about there's the, the two elements in, in Shefa. Remember we said throwing something and art. Existence also. Existence has an element of throwing like he brought from the boy here that God took bundles and he threw them and from that he shaped and formed the earth. So there's Zrika. Zrika is a commitment, is an involvement. And then there's the art element in creation where God created the world. Again, with effort and, and, and an investment. And each of this reflects that part of the divine. So we have within the divine these two elements in the interface. That's the key thing to, to remember. Now in chapter 57, even though what I just summarized included that, but more specifically what, he's, what they discussed was 
began with a question that, that also the sun and the soul, which are here examples of what? Of transcendent energy that is not as he calls it. Also have a function. The sun, as we learned earlier, the sun actually was used earlier as an example for the imminent light. It has the function to radiate and illuminate the earth. The soul gives life. And also above, transcendent energy, makifim, have an impact on the world. So, briefly the answer to that is, at the end of the chapter 57, to jump straight to the conclusion, is that Eir itself has etzim in his pashtus. Everything has an etzim in his pashtus. So even the transcendent energy has two dimensions to it. That's the chiddush here. So not only in the interface we're talking about imminent energy, which is manifest, the Eir HaMamala, Eir Pnimi, that will become the Eir Pnimi. And transcendent energy, transcendent energy has etzim Eir and his pashtus Eir. And as such... As such, being that it has those two elements, that's the difference. The etzema air is as it emerges from the essence. As it emerges from the essence, all it is is a reflection of the essence. That's all that it is at that point. There's nothing else going on except that. Then there's another element, and that is once it begins to manifest in existence, it is still informed by and shaped and has still that transcendent quality. But yes, it does have impact in existence. But its root is just reflection of the essence. That's briefly the response, the answer to that question. So if you ask, does it have a purpose, does it not have a purpose? Obviously it has a purpose because God wouldn't emanate energy altogether if he didn't have a purpose. But you can't call it a purpose, a defined purpose, as you would call the purpose of the mamala. It is, its purpose is to reflect the divine, to express the inexpressible, so to speak. And that's why when you give it the name Rotson, as he said, the word Rotson, he says, there's no name there. If you're going to give it a name, you call it desire. In other words, there's two steps. Really, in its etzem, there's no name. If you talk about how it's, expre- how it's being mispashit, how it's, that state of energy is manifesting in existence, the name is desire. Not, not kaiches, however. It's not faculties. It never becomes faculties. It always remains apart and above and base, relatively shapeless compared to the faculties. So that's its, 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 uh, what its role and function is. He hasn't discussed. He said he'll discuss later. But to get to this point, he doesn't just jump to, this, to the end of the chapter. He begins with the whole explanation that the key thing to focus on when you talk about the two examples is the element of no substance. That the difference mainly is that one, is a form of tfisa and islapshus, shefa, is being contained and manifest, and air does not contain the not manifest. And that's why it could illuminate everything everywhere equally. One is a muhusim etziyaz dover, and air makif is a form of ayin. So that's what the examples give us. The reason for that is is because they originate in the source that way. So the fact that Er and Shefa function differently, regardless now whether they both have a function or not, clearly the fact the way they function differently tells us that as they're, they're in their root they're also fundamentally different. 
And that's where he goes back to say, does it have a function or does it not have a function? In other words, as he says at the beginning, even if it has a function, it's not the same type of a function. And he compares it to the two types of ayin, of das elyon and das tachten. That there's the two levels of ayin at the bottom of page 105. That there's a state of ayin that sees that actually nothing exists. From the perspective of above, of the divine perspective, existence is absolutely meaningless. From the perspective of das tachten, the ayin of the yesh anivra, there is an existence. Because it's manifesting there. It, ha- it recognizes there's an existence. Like he says, um, it's ayin only b'shem amushal. It's only a borrowed term. Since it's the source of this existence, you can't call it complete nothing. But compared to us, it's like a mystery. A sense of what is going on. We don't understand. There's something beyond us. So there's that element of uh, the transcendent. So the two levels of ayin, one is basically the root of erpnimi, that's ayin that's connected to the yesh. And then there's the erp makif, which is the ayin that's connected to the yesh amiti, yesh anivra and the yesh amiti. And then he concludes and says that in the erp makif itself, there's also the etzim and the ispashtus. There's the essence of it, and there's the way it extends. Okay. So that's how I would summarize the chapter and uh, the key elements in it. Good. The only thing I want to add, there's one piece that was like in the middle where he went into, I can't say it's a, it, it could be a little distraction when you read it. He went into the whole discussion of how in the in the muscle, in the shefa, the thing that transmitted goes through gradations. So first you have it within the person, within the source, it's more the primis of it. Then there's the chitzenius. Nevertheless, it's all reflective of, it's all coming from, there's all something of substance there. And he explained the difference between Selim and Mus, which is similar two things, that you have something that is like an image, and you see the actual organs of the body, the way they're engraved or etched in a metal or a piece of wood. And then you have the Chayas, which we only get a sense of. So, what I said, what basically this is coming to explain that uh, the difference between the Kalim of Atzillus I'm sorry, the difference between Atzillus and the Kalim of Ak, in the parentheses he explained. That one, that Atzillus is more like receiving the Shefa, and it has a connection to that source. But the Kalim of Ak are a state of of, of Oyer, not Shefa. So basically he's showing that within the cosmic order you also have these two dimensions. Because he says, Apparently, it means that Selim here is Er, and the Mus is more like Kali. That's what it looks like to me. Or rather put, Selim is um, Er, and, and, and the Mus is more like Shefa. I, I, I correct myself. So in Atsilis, which is a reflection of the Kav, you have the, es- you have the essence of the Kav. 
but it's only the external. That's like the shefa of a teacher who's conveying an idea to a lower level. And um, then there is how it is in Ak, which is muhusagili. You have there the actual, you have there not just a, uh, a, ref- a reflection of like a dmus, like a shefa, you have also the, of air, you have the ability to actually have a sense of the thing itself. Okay. So now let's continue. So the key thing to remember now is transcendent energy even as it comes down in this world and this existence maintains and retains its quality that it got all the way from the root that it is beyond existence. As I mentioned, I think this is a very important point. Because going back to the question, does it have a function or does it not have a function? The key to the whole this whole exercise is for the existence to be able to connect to that which is beyond existence. So first we have air pranimi, this is imminent energy, so we can connect with the divine as it's within us, as we can relate to it to some extent. That's also transcendent, just for the record. Because instead of being a materialistic, selfish, narcissistic human being that's completely self-absorbed, you've now connected to the divine, mamalakalam. If everybody just was connected to the air pranimi, we'd also have Mashiach here. It's also a nice, a nice fine level. But... The objective is that God wants us to connect to God on God's terms as well, not just on our terms. If we only had air pnimi, if we only had the imminent energy, our connection would be similar to what the Oves had. The patriarchs, it said, before Matan Teirah, they were able to reach Shedesh HaNivroim. Very high level. They were able to reach the source, the divine source of all existence. Pretty good. Yet comes Matan Teirah and says, no, Shem wants more than that. He wants to give us something that's higher than the source. It's called Sev of Klam. Because what's the Chiddush? What happened by Matan Teir the others didn't have? The others were connected to God. It says every second, every, they were in Markova. Tanya says that the 24-7, every move they made was aligned with godliness. How, what, what, how, what's higher than that? Yet Hashem says to Moshe, I did not let them know the shame of Avaya. All of that is Elakim. Can you imagine? Being completely dedicated to God, but Elohim. So that's a world that's aligned to its purpose perfectly. It's like Gan Eden. Before Chet But God wants more than that. He wants us to have a relationship with Him that's beyond existence. And thus gave us a Torah from a, a higher place. All the way to the Etzem. So not just transcendence, don't be a materialistic, selfish human being and do things aligned with the way God wants you to be. That's a ish halacha. To be a walking shulchan aruch. God wants more than that. I want you to be a divine entity that reflects also my personality that is beyond existence. And that's true transcendence. Now that could have been not that way. But that's how it is. That save of kalam is the only one that can bring us that. Because mamala kalam, like he said, cannot experience a true ayin. Because it creates existence, it reckons with it. So however you twist and turn it, I'll be we're talking. I'm not talking about Kol Yachl. God can do anything. 
But if energy has to enter into a tree, into a human being, shape and energize existence on its terms, it is commensurate to it at some point. To have transcendence that's outside of existence, ayin amiti, you need to have save of kalam. In other words, you need an energy that doesn't have a function. If it has a function, the function therefore then is commensurate with the energy that's serving that function. He wants to have a relationship to something that has no such function. That's why we call Ein Elifel. Of course it has a function. Its function is to, to experience transcendence in the true way. But you can't call that function like the function of throwing a stone or the art or the investment of a teacher in a particular message. This function here, even when it has a function, it's really reflecting a truly transcendent entity. And in its source, that transcendence is ayin, complete ayin. Where all it is, is reflecting the essence. That's the key thing to remember here. So now transcendence, true transcendence has entered into the domain and the realm of our existence, but it retains its qualities of being beyond us. It never becomes part of our internal system, except, as he says, the ultimate purpose, as he's been saying at the end of the Maimarim, is that the Makiv should come into Aprimi. But for all practical purposes right now, there's two forces at work in existence, one that vivifies existence, and one that teaches us transcendence. As we'll learn later, that's going to be Bittl. Bill Bittl. So now we continue chapter 58. Hope this was helpful. Now chapter 58. It's not the intention to say that this seviv, this transcendent that has now entered into existence is makif, meaning surrounds and does not at all is not at all transmitted or drawn into the worlds. Because in truth, also this energy, this transcendent energy, that's beyond existence, is also is also transmitted, is also extends and is transmitted into the worlds. Within them, and, and in, through and through. And they're, it's, they're completely within existence. Ad gam shalamata. To the point, to the extent that in all the creatures below, we also have seva v'makiv. Va'adarab. And on the contrary. Kol ikka mokri yisav is the kol elmas. All, and the kol ikka. All in the primary source of creation of the world is Mabchinus Eira Makif. It's from the sources from Eira Makif. Let me explain that because it's discussed earlier. As I said, Mamalakalalman, Erpnimi, imminent energy, is the instrument that, that defines the art, the specifics. But the actual bringing a yesh into being has to come from Makif that it's outside of existence. So to create something from nothing, Mamala Kalama doesn't have that power because precisely as I said before, it is commensurate. It's an energy that is reckons with and has to manifest inside of existence. And while it's there, it has to it, it is 
constantly tailored to what existence is like. So how could that bring existence into a, from where nowhere? You need something that's outside and doesn't reckon to create something of that quality. The soul, for example, does not create the body. What the soul does, it brings the energy into the body. It also helps the body develop. But a soul itself extend its energy, it will not turn into a body. For a body, you need to have a seed that is fertilized, that fertilizes an egg. Obviously the blessing of God, but you need something of substance. Souls in heaven don't just create bodies. Souls in heaven have a lot of energy, they can give off energy, they can experience godliness. But a soul becomes the force, two things. It brings to life the body, and it also brings the body into being. Meaning, it's the... But if there was no desire... If God said, "I don't," if God did not give us the power, did not give us the ability to create a physical thing, there was no rotsin, there's no makif, then the whole thing never happens, because the soul is just energy. Energy can't create matter. Energy manifests the matter. It can bring matter into, it can make it emerge. It would be like, like when you plant a seed in the ground, and the watering brings it to life. But you won't say the water is what what causes the seed to grow. There's no seed. Water is not going to make things grow. There has to be something in the earth that has of something of substance. So, in that, in this context, the true creator of existence is something that's beyond matter and energy. Well, beyond matter, let's put it, beyond imminent energy that's within matter. And that's how it could actually bring that, that jump, that how does energy end up being matter, requires something that's beyond energy, imminent energy. That's save of Kalaman. On the other hand, if you only have save of Kalaman, then all you have is the desire to have it, then you have, you have a seed. But you don't have life in any type of uh, internalized way. You want a, a human body that has arms and legs, a mind and a heart, shaped, in detail. You need an energy that manifests in the arm and not in the leg, in the brain and not in the heart. So they need to work with each other. Think of it this way. Talk about the artist. The artist needs to first have a desire to create a piece of art. Then he has to move himself and go over to a canvas and take a paintbrush and start painting. But that desire alone, and even the canvas and the the paint itself, he needs a fine-tuned brush that makes the strokes, every detail, like this, like that, like that. So if God said, says, Bresh is also an utterance. What would the world look like if God only said, Bresh is Baralakim? You'd have Seva of Kalam saying everything in existence. You'd have everything concentrated like in a seed. Like it says in Rashi. The first day, everything was there. But then God had to say, oh, Now out of this Hiyuli, uh, out of this, we'll call this nebulous state, came now light. Now came Rakia, the heavens. Third, uh, the, the separation between the higher and lower heavens. Third day, vegetation. Fourth day, the, the celestial bodies, the fifth day animals, and the sixth day human being. Matter energy. Can you explain a little bit physics a little bit? What the way I would explain it is like this. You see, the physicists don't go into transcendent energy. They talk only about imminent energy. No, sir. Because they, can, they talk, remember, when you talk without, take out, God forbid, the Torah and God from the picture, human intelligence will have, has come to the conclusion. I'm just saying for argument's sake, let's make believe that there is matter and there's energy. There's no doubt about that. It's been proven a million different ways. First, very simple. Take a piece of wood that grows on a tree, put it into a fire, and it makes the fire stronger. How is that possible? Because the wood has, is fuel. 
Because the wood has the ability to feed energy. And the wood, and the wood becomes energy. So that, but how do you know a piece of metal, for example, is the same? Because a metal will not make something burn. So there's other ways. They've through experimentation of nuclear fusion and fission by manipulating, like, like today when they found this Higgs boson or other things, it's usually it's through heating something in very high temperatures or speed. These two things suddenly reveal. When you suddenly expose a regular object to high speeds or high heat, things come out of it. And they see from that there's energy. And, then, and I mean, that, that, that energy allows us to understand we have electricity, we have all kinds of invisible forces. We have radio waves, air waves, sound waves, light waves, ultraviolet, X-rays. X-ray is a form of energy. So all the, so the fact that there's matter and energy is clear. Einstein created the formula of E equals mc squared. Energy equals mass and speed of life squared. So clearly there's a formula how energy and, ma- and, ma- and matter are interchangeable. Clear. So in other words, there's nothing on earth that can disappear. You can take a table, you can burn it, you can turn it to ashes, it becomes gas. You cannot make it completely disappear. You, we can't see it. It may not be significant to us, but it, 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 it does not disappear. Period. And vice versa, you can take energy and turn it into matter. The classic example that we all learn in, the, in, in 101 science is uh, gas, water, liquid, ice. You take water. We all know what water is. You heat it. It turns into vapor. And you see it. You can see the vapor. You, you freeze it. It turns into ice. So three states of the same thing. You don't need anything except heat or cold. You don't need another. You don't need to add something into it. Another, another uh, ingredient, like you know, to make a challah, you need to have yeast. You need this. You need that. Here, you take the same water, just heat it. So I'm just giving you the most simple example. Everyone realizes that clearly, water is more than just water. It's a. For, it, it, it has different. It's a form of energy. How now? It's a liquid. Then it becomes a gas, and here it becomes a uh, a, uh, a piece of ice. Just small examples. That we would call the energy within existence. We're not even talking about divine now. You'd call that energy within existence, you know. Everything has its energy. The step further would be what the Taylor would add now is that this energy is called mamalakalam. This is when God says, Yehi ohir. So the scientists and physicists will dig deep and they'll find part, uh, atom, uh, elements, molecules, atoms, subatomic particles. What they won't find is the Dvar Hashem, that says, you are, you exist. I am creating now every second anew. The Kabbalists, the Chassidim, will say, within the piece of grass that you see, that has all the factors, why it makes it green and all the forces, the chemicals, the biology of it, the, the, the physics of it, there lies divine energy. That's saying, Mazel the God. So that's, that's, like he says, even though it's ten maimodis, but each of them breaks down into chilufim, vitsirufim, and tmuris, and gematis, and so on. So you have all of existence, everything. A stone has divine energy saying, be, be a stone. Okay. That's the pnimi. That's the pnimi. That's the pnimi. That pnimi cannot create the stone itself, however. Because how does it become? It's only energy. It's only saying, be light. It it can shape it. 
Like the artist takes the stroke, takes the paintbrush and makes a stroke and it looks like light. Or the artist, like you said before, makes something and it looks like a heaven. Or it looks like a vegetation or an animal, whatever it may be. The question is, what brings energy, what makes energy into matter? Not, we're not talking about imminent energy. You see, as I said, from the bottom up, this question doesn't exist. Because for them, energy and matter was always here. That's why, uh, you know, that's why they don't have a problem. Like you ask them, so what, who put the first ball of gas there? You know, the classic question. They don't have a problem. They don't think about who put. They're, for them, it's just good enough. That matter was once energy, and that's it. The world was once just a form of a ball of gas. Not in the realm of science. That's it. That's it. Yeah, the science doesn't. A scientist will tell you exactly. A scientist will tell you that's not my. It's not my business. I don't have a problem if it was here forever. And if you want to prove to me it wasn't here forever, fine. I can't go there. I can't go to the place that was before that. Which is fine. That a scientist shouldn't go there. Because what, how could science talk about that? That's why I always say here, when the, the Rebbe, people make a mistake. They think that when you talk science and Torah, we're trying to prove that God exists, or we're trying to, 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 to show that science itself tells you. No, science can bring you to a door that tells you, I figured everything out as much as I could, and now there's another door that I don't know. A scientist to say that God exists is not even a scientific statement. A scientist can believe in God, but it's not a scientific statement. It's also not anti-scientific. That's the point. But my point is just like saying faith and reason. Reason doesn't have to tell you there's faith. Reason can tell you I don't. There are areas I can. My my reason tells me there's probably something beyond me. The point I'm trying to make here is that when you talk about energy and matter in this context, no one's talking about how the whole thing came in the first place. But Chassidus does, and this cannot come. Mamala kalam. I'll use the word from Einstein. Nothing in the system can change the system. Because it's part of the system. Mamala Kalam, at the end of the day, is an energy measured to create air and not Rekiah. So how could it put the whole existence into place? Let's put it the other way. If you only had Bereshis, you wouldn't have the details. But if you only had the nine-man Bereshis, you wouldn't have Bereshis, you wouldn't have existence. You'd have like basically, if conceptually, you'd have inanimate details that have no life in them. You wouldn't even have that. But I'm saying Bereshis says, I want a world. The other, the Mamala Kalama says, here's how the world should look like. So he's saying, the Sava Kodesh Baruch Hu, the God desired there should be a, he has a home in this world. So he wanted a world. That in turn became a Ratzin. At some point. I want a world. I desire. I'm not getting now reason, not reason. That level alone would call that Sphidus Ainkets. There's no structure. He wants a world. Now comes God also, remember, he wants a world that also that is structured the way it's structured now. So there's a second dimension within that first dimension. Remember, at the end of the day, they're all tied together. But from our point of view, we see them as two. Because if you ask God, He'd say, it's all one for me, Hashem will Kim. But since we climb the ladder from the bottom up, we have to see it as levels. We don't really see it. We can only see it that way after first we see the distinctions. Because God wants there to be distinctions. You understand what I just said? If you ask God, there's no difference between Him, Bereish, Bara, and Yehida it's all one thing. It's the essence, desires. But what we could, but he wanted a, a, a structure that we can relate to. In the way we relate to things. Even that, we don't know why. Why did he make Seichel work the way it's worked? Why didn't he make us understand why can't Kol Yochel be a logical thing? Doesn't matter. That's how it is. That we'll never know why. That's part of Dira That's the Nesav. 
But we know that, like he says, what's what's the type of basement? What it is, we know because we see it. So I'm not getting into that part. But now that we know it, so now we do have to climb the ladder. First Allah came. Then we realize, okay, that means there's another level called beyond. So desire, Ratzon, is already the thing that's outside of the system that says, I want a system. Now I want a system, there's an energy that I will allow flow into the system. So to bring it more specifically, imagine an artist is not making the art himself, but he's giving instructions to a student. So the student is the one that's making the individual strokes. Take away the direction from the artist of what I really want, the big picture, the student wouldn't know what to do next. In other words, what I'm saying is and the imminent energy within the system does not have the power to create the system. The system comes from a thing that's outside of it all. That's the point here. And then there's an energy that enters into the system and is commensurate and tailored to it. I hope that was helpful. And then we come, Hashem Olekim, seven times on Yom Kippur. So now he's going back here. But, and, and this was all explanation on the words, The primary thing is from the Eira The primary creation is from Eira The creation of something. The fact that there'll be a, a seed. The fact that there'll be a, um, a fetus that will come from a fertilized egg. That has to be from the from a place that's higher. What brings it into life and what gives it the details is the mamala kalam. Sometimes it says save of in in in, in, in he says this in uh, in the Chanukah Memorial. Save of is the rotsin that creates chaymer ha'elam, the substance. The raw substance. Mamala Pnimi creates Surah, the shape and form. It, it, it's, 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 it's actually very elegant. It's like first the raw clay, like I said, bracious. In, in detail, it's brilliant Surah, but in general, it's really more Makif and Pnimi. It's, it's, it's all rooted in the highest, yeah. I mean, everything is a microcosm, everything. It's Chachman Bina too, in a way. You know, something, the, the spark, and then the shape and form, the breakdown. So therefore, what's he saying here? So we cannot say the kavana is, makif means it's somewhere outside and detached, has no relationship with the world. It has a relationship. This is a critical component because, as I said earlier, this element of the interface teaches us that you can have true transcendence in existence. You want to know like a nafkamina papel? You don't need Yom Kippur every day of the year to connect to the essence of the divine that's higher than existence. Because you could argue, you know what, okay, fine. Mamala Kalam and I experience six days of the week. Because that's when God manifests in, how do I do it? I go to work, I give tzedakah. Halacha. I follow God's rules of how He wants me to be a good person. Shabbos is a revelation of beyond existence. Yom Kippur, Shabbos, Shabbos is even higher. That I can only experience when there's no work, when I fast, and I basically disregard existence. So then the Rebbe brings that Purim is Kiyem, Yemakipurim is Kipurim, that Purim has a mile, because you achieve what's the Gaito, 
the lamaila, the sedishtalsalis, through eating and through a meal. So, of course, you can ask the question, so why don't we eat on Yom Kippur? Because we don't live yet in a world like that. It's all taste of it. Laosid love will talk be like that. We have Elam Abba in Be'achil of but also be as if it's internalized. The point I'm trying to make is that the Chiddush is that you could have transcendent save of Kalam even in existence. So today, obviously, everything has its time, everything has its period. So the fact is that this state of Gili Ha'etzem, that doesn't have any function but to reveal the essence, we have within our existence. That's what he's building into here. This is where the, the Rebbe Shab is going. So the interface is now moving deeper. You know, basically you could say the first 46 chapters was all about how does the internal energy work. The edge of science. Now, interestingly, you can't go to transcendence if you don't go to... to, to if you, don't, you can't go to Masevi without going through Mamala. There's no jump. Well, that's that's why you can't say L'chaim all the time. Science did it. Science, you have to... Science points there because when they get to quantum... They, 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 they negate, negate time and space completely when they're... They, 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 I mean. the, the negating time and space is not the difficulty. The, the difficulty is coming back to talk about it in time and space. That's the, the problem. It's a logical thing. It's very hard. Look, everyone who's experienced transcendence in history could not come back and tell right, about right. it properly. They couldn't build families. They couldn't contain it. Either they burned out like Nodav and Aviyu or the Havdil, the, the people who burned out in our generation. Or they come back and they're not the same. The challenge is, can you be with your feet on the ground and connected to that? That's why it's not so simple. Nice to talk about. It would be beautiful. But you'll see people who are very transcendent have very difficulty with the details and coming down to the details. That's why, that's, yeah, that's why I always say the big Kiddush I find. Right, the only one that was able to. Yeah, But look, look, look at the... Look at the uh, you see people like the, the Jimi Hendrixes of the 60s and the Janis Joplins, and then the, the, the Jim Morrison, these people. They're brilliant, geniuses. But they have no way to come back, no way to contain it. It's the same thing with the, even those that experience all kinds of spiritual states through, for, through, uh, through um, the foreign substances and psychedelics and so on. Same problem. Integration is always the challenge, not the experience. I mean, to survive the experience and then be... But the integration. Look, to me, one of the biggest things, Avram Avinu, compare him. Aristotle may be the greatest philosopher of all time. Okay? Some of the greatest thinkers. Where are their children? How come they didn't build families? They may have left some books and philosophies, but no one was able to build a system that works. Aristotle writes all about systems, about governments based on morality and based on whole kinds of philosophies. Where's his own little family unit? You know why? Because when you're such a brilliant thinker, you have no time to diaper children. You have no time for uh, that type of commitment. Avram Avinu, what is the biggest statement God makes about Avram Avinu? He says, Am I going to conceal from Avram? God is saying, I was thinking of concealing from Avram that he's going to destroy his dime. How could I conceal from him when he's a man? He's a man that committed his life and his family to do Zaka Mishpat. What's the big thing? So he committed his family. It's nice. Everyone likes to have a nice family. Because for a man like that, who's completely godly and spiritual, to have the, 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 the presence of mind, the discipline, the bitl, to come back into details, is, is that you do not find. That's transcendence in the details. That's why you have, only in Judaism you have this. The highest levels of transcendence, but then the digdu kalsal divrei suffering. 
that opposite extreme. Yeah, to hold on to the chachma while you. But you look around. The more spiritual a person is, the less religious they usually are. The more religious, the less spiritual. That's the rule, because spirituality, by definition, is a light. It's a unifying light. You don't re- you don't relate to this detail, that detail. Who really cares about the details? So the ability to go to those two extremes means that you're higher than gvul and higher than bligvul. Because when you're in bligvul, bligvul is not interested in gvul. Doesn't care. Gvul is 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 uh, inferior. And Gvul, of course, does not is not uh, focused on Bligvul, transcendence. So that's why this interface is so complicated. That's why he needed 46 chapters. I mean, we didn't even begin. We're just getting started here. But 46 chapters just to explain how you connect to the imminent energy. But that becomes the bridge to connect to the transcendent energy. I'm just saying, think about it. You know, the 46 chapters is a lot of chapters to explain all. You're explaining, you're not even talking about transcendence in the real sense of the words. But it is. Because it's telling you how to get out of material selfishness to even connect to something beyond yourself is already step one. Now he's going much further than that. Now he's going to that which is outside of existence. Look, there's much more to come, but this is I'm just laying out right here. I think that is you know this is the chapters that are the transition from primi to makif, from basically the esosvidas to kesser. He does it over and over again. So. He does absolutely. That's why you're going to. Because later becomes Chachmistema, the unconscious. Chachma becomes the bridge. You're going to find it everywhere. This is why why Ayin Beis is Ayin Beis. There's, there's nowhere that it's all brought together in this type of comprehensive picture. Someone learns Chassidus properly, or the Rebbe Rashab did, will find it everywhere. But he's bringing it all together. This is what the key here. And what I'm trying to do also behind the scenes, what I'm trying to write, is find it all in the memoirum of Chassidus before to see how he's bringing it from where and how it's like it's all be, it's like it's like like they talk about the Rambam he is doing the Rambam's work in the sense of bringing together these themes under one roof here so to speak in a real structure yeah you get the chills huh so therefore okay so we establish now the Eina Kavana that Makiv is just not Makiv it also is in, in the world and Adarab it's within them and other, and on the contrary, it's the primary source of is the primary force that creates, not the force that shapes, but that creates. But the interesting thing is, you would say this level of creation is nivra, nivru, not bara. What I said before on top of page uh, 96. so he said there was two. There's a slapshus. If you look there, there's different. The nivru kshenasa bederuch mamel of ends up yesh adayin. That's the Savas from Shema Vaya, he says there, if you look on 96. And then, the Savas Yashmamish, Breshis Bod Elakim. Elakim. I know I mentioned Breshis as being more like that, but it's just, it's all relative. But I slap just Keich Apel Banifel. And you think, as he says there, he qualifies that it's concealed from the creature, what the energy, but it is Keich Apel Banifel. Because God could have created you know, in an aloof manner, from a detached way. You know, you're there, and I create you. They say, And every second it's renewed. I remember a sikha from the Rebbe to the woman, the last, I think, Memtes, beautiful vart, he said, why do you need to say, the Ebishter could have created the world, it doesn't have to renew it every second, and manifest within it. You say, It didn't have to be that way. The Rebbe gave a beautiful answer. His answer was because he wanted us to have a relationship with every. He wanted to have to. He wanted to have. To, he wanted to have with us a relationship every second and very personal. Had he done that, it wouldn't have been that way. Meridik, eh? 
So it's not just you don't tanya kshachidmun. It says because a yesh mi yesh, you don't need the constant energy. Yesh ma'in you do, but the Rebbe says who's that gufa who says, but he wanted a relationship every second with us. In other words, you love somebody, you want to touch them all the time. You constantly want to be with them. And in a personal way, not just in a... And each with individual pale benifil with that individual according to his specifics. God's a real lover. Avram? Okay. He's also a big gambler. He's gambling with us. He gave us the free will. It's been the ultimate stakes. Yeah, he knows the end game. <laughs> but do we know the end game? That's the question. <laughs> but you know something? Even though he knows the end game, but this, this is still, it's still dependent on us. I saw something interesting since you mentioned it. When I was working on Torah Meaning Philosophy, <coughs> I read the book Philosophy of Chabad again. <coughs> On Nissen Mendel. <coughs> it's a very good book, actually. And I don't know how much. <coughs> Can you give me some water here, please? I don't know how um, accessible it is to the masses, but I know, because I asked him, there's a lot of chidushim there. It was his thesis that he wrote on Tanya for, for his uh, doctorate. Abraham Joshua Heschel was his sponsor, that ever suggested. L'chaim, everyone. Anyway, uh, so I found there um, an interesting thing. So I asked him, I said, where did this come from? It's a major chiddush. He said, the Rebbe wrote it. He told me the Rebbe edited extensively. So it has a lot of, it's the Rebbe basically doing a lot of editing there. Over the years, the Rebbe would apply himself especially a book like that. He says the Avart, which is a question we always ask, if at the end game, is anyone going to be Mashiach? So what difference does it really make? So we usually answer, the difference is it'll be faster, slower. But fundamentally, what difference does it make if Mashiach came after other Machava, let's say, didn't eat from the tree of knowledge, he comes today. And if he could only say this faster, slower, that's all that we went through is only the faster and slower. That famous letter that ever writes to um, the Ben Svi, why he doesn't call him Nasi, he says because since I'm a child I envision Mashiach, and that means that's the ultimate Nasi, and we'll know then that ever writes there, envision a world where we'll know and understand Eit Hashem Kenaf to be, the 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 what was the deep and why would we thanking God for all that we've gone through? Anyway, he answers there in philosophy of Chabad, an interesting thing. He says just like space. Is, uh, it give, is given constant life from God, so is time. Every second in time is a divine energy. If there's a second that remains in Golis and does not, is, is not, Mashiach doesn't come, forever and ever that second will really never have been refined. And therefore, when Mashiach comes a second earlier, it's not just faster, slower, it's a refinement of time that that uh, will f- f- has a fundamental difference. So it's not like it, w- it does make a difference. It's not just the end game will be nice. The end game will be nice, but the question is, did you elevate every second of time, or did you not? And if you don't, it, it you, you know it's not elevated. That's what he says there. Interesting word, huh? But it will be elevated. No, it won't be. So what? Because th- those moments. So what? That means that somewhere the actus was never revealed in some parts of existence. 
that uh, I mean, that's a big thing. For those that care about Ardus, it's a big thing. Because <laughs> it means some things are not redeemed. So he says that... Anyway. Rewrites history. Rewrites history. Truba itself rewrites history. That's how it brings everything that was. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's what he says there. It doesn't. That seems to be a stir from what you learned before, but you know, but that doesn't. Well, but, but on the other hand, it's not a stir. On the other hand, it actually tells us how important our actions are because if you don't do something, something is not going to be elevated. It's not. It's not a joke. Okay, let's continue here. And also the revelations that are within Ishtalsus, meaning also the imminent energy, are rooted in the level of the transcendent energy. And within it, in the Ermakiv, that is the transcendent, and through it, is, it, is the level of the revelation in the increasing and additional energies and life force that come into existence. As I mentioned before, besides the fact that it brings existence into being, the transcendent energy, it also causes mamala to emerge. You see, the souls entering the body allows the body to grow stage by stage and bringing more energy into it. Similar to what we learned earlier. Chapter 51, an example of the desire within the spirit and the soul. That when the the desire is very revealed, is revealed, specifically through that, is the revelation of the faculties. Desire, even though it is it is separate from and detached from all the faculties. Nevertheless, the the emergence, the revelation, and the expression of the faculties is through the desire. If you don't have a desire, you won't have that expression. Like he said, Rotson, what makes something move is not the force, the life force within the arm. You need to have a desire to make it move. That's the, the, the chapter, that was the point in chapter uh, 51. <clears throat> he spoke about the illness that he's going to refer to her again. And on the contrary, because he's not part of it, the life force can only, can only react and do something on it commensurate to the level that it's on. Because Rutzen is outside of it, and detached. That's why it causes it. Meaning, an action that it has to do it. Like you said, it compels it to do it like an order, authority. All explained in chapter 51. Like it is with physical movement. That the tenua itself, the movement of the arm itself, comes obviously comes from the imminent energy the, within the energy within the arm. God forbid, if you had no energy in the arm, you could desire, and it won't work. 
But in order for there to be movement, to initiate movement, that comes from the desire. That's what he said there. So you need both. You could have the desire, and God forbid, if you have a paralysis or something that is blocking the, the, the ability to actually activate the, the nerves or whatever it may be, or the muscles, it won't work. That's the hand itself moves. But what pushes it to move? What compels it to move? Is a desire to, to, that, that, that commands it. And that's why through an illness, God forbid, in the nerves of the, of the, of the desire, the movement will stop, will cease. As we discussed earlier, there, chapter 51. That's even a physical movement. Same thing is with the ethereal dimension of the faculties that they reveal, like seichel and so on, because this was physical movement. Remember, he keeps talking about physical thing, like throwing something is with movement, then there's the seichel and the midas. That too is revealed through desire. Like we learned back then, that a person should always learn where his heart desires. When he has desire in this thing, in the place that he desires, Yaskov is Chakambay. He will then conceive and 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 be and uh, be why and uh, be intelligent about it. And someone said it's the verb yaskel. He will conceive and and uh, concentrate and and contemplate on it. However, there's a distinction. Rotson makes things happen, but doesn't create. The faculties themselves are not created by desire. So, not the faculties are not created, and definitely not the organs. The organs and the faculties within the person are not created by desire. He's qualifying the example. He's saying before that desire above actually creates existence. And it's the imminent energy that shapes existence. Now he's saying the example he gave like Alderich Rotson, desire cause, compels movement and compels the faculties to function. The faculties themselves is how to function. So the desire tells the hand move. The hand itself is the one that actually does the, is moved because it has energy within it. But it won't move without the desire. So he's qualifying and saying in a human being, in the nefesh rather, in the soul, in the example of the soul, here's another limitation of the example. The, the desire doesn't create the faculties, nor the, and definitely not the organs. However, above, the primary creation comes from desire. In other words, because the desire of a human being doesn't have the power to create. The desire of God does have the power to create. And the root, this is the supernal desire in the infinite light before the tzimtzum. What rose in his desire to emanate and to create. That's why I explained earlier. This desire is the primary driving force. Primary siba, cause, not driving force. Cause. For the creation and bringing into being of the worlds that will be brought into being after the tzimtzum, when, when, after the concealment. And earlier, in the, in the parenthesis, he has, and earlier in chapter 16, it was explained that the desire to emanate is, 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 generally is that is imminent energy. 
This question will be explained with God's help soon. In other words, seemingly a contradiction. Because there, the Ratzin appears to be, the Ratzin is, is already the root of Mamalakalam. Even though the truth is, he answered it there too. He said, because there, there he said there's Aleisa Ratzin and Kedem Aleisa Ratzin. Now we're saying the Ratzin is Makif and Primi is Makif. There he said that the Ratzin was already the beginning of the, of the ten hidden spheres. Even though he did say there, if you recall, that the Erhab Ligvul, the, the transcendent energy that's before the desire, in it arose the desire for Erhab Gvul. Shir Atzmei B'Kayach. So I don't know if that's what he's going to answer, but there he also said it's within the infinite possibilities that the artist chose one possibility. So it has an element of Sevev and it has an element of Mamala in it. It has both elements. Just, I'm just saying that. But anyway, he said he's going to explain this later, so we can trust that he shall. And also the actual creation and bringing existence into being. Even though it's through the Erpnimi. Remember, I told you, it's the channels. That's also a good example, maybe. Like Rutzen creates the flow. And Mamala Kalaman directs the flow each in its particular channels. Bresh is Bodo, and then there's the specific utterances. So now he's going even further. What we established so far is that Makif and Sevev is within existence, and on the contrary is the primary cause for existence. Now he's saying, and even the existence itself, which comes through the Erpnimi, through the channels of the imminent energy, because he is one with his containers, which means really that he is one. The, 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 the energy, the air primi, imminent energy, is one with the containers that manifest to create through them. So in other words, it's not just creating it from an outside, from the, from the distance, from a detached, aloof place. It's going through air primi. That the mahava, the creation, is the air is the energy. That's ihu, you. That is united with Garmui, which is the 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 the, 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 the he doesn't say containers here, but he means here the the primius, the the um, imminent energy, the energy as it one with the details, so to speak, with this, this, with the with the structure. Nevertheless, it's with the power of the imminent of the transcendent divine energy, specific dafke. This is what he says in Tereir that I mentioned before. No, not the creation. The creation of existence. It goes through. So that's. He's not saying Kalim. He didn't say the word Kalim. He said Garmuhi. I used the word Kalim. He said basically that imminent energy is the one that brings existence into being. Nevertheless, the force behind it is the power of the. Transcendent energy. Like it says, everything that God desires, He does. That's, what does this mean? That the chayfets, the dasias, we savasay elements, the 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 building of, the making of, and the bringing into being of the worlds, whom is from the desire and the will of God. So 
Oh, I explained this earlier. Now I see he's a good plan. Because from imminent energy itself, etzem, fundamentally, it cannot be the creation of a world. Because imminent energy radiates and revealed in an internal way in the creation. And therefore it's inevitable to say that if a creation comes from it, it would be commensurate. That's why by Shem Avaya, this goes back to what I mentioned before, I referred to this, Shem Avaya, top of Tzadik, what was it, Tzadik Vov, yeah, we, bring, we brought this before, that's why it's Avaya, because it's, it's, it's in a form that automatically came from him, that I'm not sure what he means, Shane Be'erich. Moshe Kosmach says elsewhere. From Er Primi, I understand the Erich. Shem Avaya is Venivru Be'erich Vamela. He said before that that is Lei Be'erich. He didn't say Shleib Erech, so maybe I'm not sure why the Shehein Be'erech. So but the Erech, but outside the parentheses and the Erech in the parentheses are two different Erechs? Yeah, I think so. Hmm? It's a little, I don't know, I'm not clear, but I, anyway, pointing it out. Like the containers of Like the containers of Atsilas, that their creation comes from the energy. Because from the thickness within the energy comes the containers. Nasu, the containers, the, the containers were formed. Like we learned earlier, chapter 8. And look what we learned earlier, chapter 9. So what came out of the... There was a kalim that are commensurate to the energy. In other words, when it's coming from a, a state of pnimi, you're going to have something that is has a relationship. The same thing. If the creations of the worlds, if the brings the worlds into being, came from the imminent energy, meaning from the energy of Atsilas, not from higher, the worlds then would have been spiritual, and they would never have been able to become a yesh. I explained earlier, similarly, a little different, I said earlier, because I didn't realize what he's going to say here, I said that you can't, something within the system can't create the system. It has to come from outside. Here he's saying, he's, at, he's saying really the other way around. Same idea. That if it's coming from within the system, it's going to be something that's like the system. 
Right, whatever the level of the system is. So if the air is air pnimi, it's coming from there, how could it suddenly create something that's a yesh, that doesn't sense godliness, that's concealed? It can only create something that, 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 that's similar to itself. That's what he's saying here. Like you see with the Esav said, the example is very good. That the kalim of Atsilas come from the thickness within the energy. What do the kalim look like? They don't look like a yesh in this world. They're, they're ethereal, they're godly. That's why they're, they are relative and commensurate to the energy. So if it would come from a mala, it would not be able to be a yesh. Let me go back to the parentheses again. Still don't understand the Shebehain Be'erech. Hold on, hold on. Let's continue here. Okay. So in order for there to be the creation of actual Mitzis Yesh, should be a real Yesh. Something that is... Uh, how do we define Yesh? No, 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 no. We're not talking about that at all. Yesh here is a, yeah, like, a, like an, inter, an independent a sense of self-contained Yesh. Ego. Egocentric entity. That's what I would call it. You need that has to come from the air makif specifically, from something outside. But then that's why no. Yesh is more. Yesh is that you are filled with yourself. Not that's yesh is not on your own. No, yesh is that you are an ego. That you you can be on your own and what means on your own? Depend. You can be independent and dedicated to God. Okay. Well. Like he writes in the Geras HaKedosh Simechov, in the discourse, in the, the, the section that begins, that he and his energy is one, and, that's, and his, this is the language there. And also from the, the infinite divine energy from the, of the Sevev. Of the transcendent, a makiv that surrounds all the four worlds of Abtsil's Briyatsir's here, Bishavim, equally Meir ala Kav, also from there radiates into the Kav Hapnimi, the internal imminent Kav, ray of light, Derachakalim, through the containers of the Yudsviris de Biyah, through the containers of the ten spheres of Briyatsir Nasio, Baharose, Techakalim, Nesim, Keir Vez, Livri Yashmai. And through its reflection, through its radiating, through these containers, in the containers, it gives them the power and the strength to create something from nothing. So clearly the power comes from Sevuklamen, but it's working through the paintbrush. It's working through the imminent energy. So we see, therefore, that the Savasayesh, the creation of the Yesh, the substance of existence, is from the Infinite divine light, the transcendent light. Explicitly. And even though in general, Atsilis, you can say, is relatively speaking, is Sevev compared to Biyah, it is a form of transcendence, relatively speaking, to Biyah, Nevertheless, when you break it down in the details of the level, Atsilis is an imminent 
dimension, not a makimtik. He's being very thorough here. He's making a case here that Seviv is part of our existence. Transcendence exists is here. When you're talking in the macrocosm, Matzil is the close, right? Matzil is the close, the energy before the Simpson. There for sure it's Seviv. It's transcendent compared to Biyaha to the to the macrocosmic Biyitzirasi, which is Ak, Akudim, Nikudim, and uh, sometimes Yitzir is Akudim, Nikudim, sometimes it's Atik and Arich, and Asi, which is Atzil, Biyitzirasi, Abiyah, Protim. Atzil is the close, so Enesav Shalifni at Simpson. There you go. Because the Atzil is the close, the macrocosmic Atzil is the infinite divine light that's before the Simpson. That means the roots of the energies that are encompassed in the divine. In, in the infinite light, Shehin Esos which are the ten concealed spheres. I feel like the Rebbe Hashem knows that we're going on a very thing. He's just giving us a signpost to reconnect us to things he said earlier to make sure we don't. So this is Ruda Atzil is the closest, the level of the ten hidden spheres. Zeobchinus Atzil is the close. That's the level of of a, the macrocosmic Atzilus. And then the general infinite light before pre symptom is a level of seviv, transcendent, compared to the world. Nevertheless, even till the close, is when you break it down, it's the beginning and root of the imminent energy, not the transcendent energy. He's just qualifying why we can't say that the creation comes from Atzillus. Even though, relatively speaking, Atzillus is Seviv, but it's not the Seviv that's needed to make a Yesh. That's the point he wants to make here. He's just qualifying, so he shouldn't ask the question. You could say, you know what? From Yesh's point of view, Atzillus is also Makiv. No, but it's not a real Makiv. Because Atzillus, at the end of the day, is part of the system. Unless it's one of the plants. Huh? No, even lifting at symptom, it's Atzillus. It has to come from the transcendent energy, the root of Seviv, which is higher than Atzillus, the close. Yeah, that's what he's saying. The microcosmic Atzillus is the same thing with the microcosmic Atzillus. That's an imminent, it's a level of, a state, a state of, of imminent energy. From this you cannot have the creation of the egocentric, substantial yesh. Rather, it has to come from the er makiv, the transcendent. Now he goes even further. <laughs> He's basically telling er, I'm a mala to step aside. Sevev has made an appearance. <laughs> That's what's going on in this chapter. He's really making a case. Yeah, no, but the case he wants to make here, he's bringing Seviv back into existence because in the beginning it was like completely only revealing the etzem. He's now showing that that revelation of only the etzem is here with us. It's connecting us with the highest levels of the divine. That's really what's going on here. Through what? Through giving us another, another step? Yeah, another step, correct. But 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 I'm just saying. But right now he's he's basically making the case for the power of Ersev of its necessity. 
as opposed to it's, if you're going, you're jumping. He's not there yet. That's obviously going to be. But right now, he's going. He's not talking about the imminent. He's talking about the transcendent. So now he's going further. So until now, we made the case. This whole page that we just learned is primarily. I'm just summing it up. That he started saying that Makif is also in this world, and Adrab, the main primary creator force of creation, the root of it, the cause of it, is the transcendent energy, not the imminent. Now he's going further. Now he's saying even. Relate to it just because we know it's the ultimate creator. It, 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 well, no, it means that it is here with us. That's what it means. It's not beyond this world. It's it's accessible. Because no, you could argue this energy never once it once the imminent takes over, the transcendent is out of here. I mentioned How before. Because it's still always there. Because like nothing could, could exist if, no, if it didn't. Now we know the existence wouldn't be. That means there's some there's a force that is bringing us into being every yeah. second. Till now was Hisavas Elamis. Hisavas is bringing the Yesh into being. Now he's going to another step. If you recall, not only does the soul not create the body, I'm sorry. Okay, so that's one thing the soul doesn't create the body. So the body is created by a force. Now he's going to say, even the energy, that the imminent energy comes into existence also is driven by the makif. That's what it said. The chen chai is called elements. Also the energy within, meaning the the life force within the worlds and with all the creatures, is primarily coming from the transcendent energy. Like he said in, in Tanya chapter 48, which he also cited earlier, if you recall, in, um, in chapter 49, page 86, we were saying that makif doesn't mean it's makif, it means it's not manifest. It's not. It's not an Erdin Kali, but it's here. So now he's he's going to quote from there. That God's knowing knowledge, that which He knows, this earth, this physical earth, who is the energy of the thickness, huh? the mass, the mass of this. Uh, sphere, Kadr. This globe, uh, Kadr is uh, the globe, the globe of the earth, the ball. And bring and its creation from nothing into something. That means the energy, not just bringing it into being, the life force in the mass of this ball. On this. Uh, Sphere or whatever. Who midiyasi is baruch is from God's knowledge. The midiyasi is baruch who must be dis atzmi deis and evraim. God's knowledge is that he know by knowing himself he knows all the creatures. The hainu hayidiyas sheba atzmos, meaning the knowledge within essence. That means the save of kolam. That's what he's trying to say. Who mizeh who achayish shel aris v'chalan evraim. And from this comes the life of the entire earth and its creatures. But here it goes now. Ah, however, he nechayezayin b'murgish bin evraim. However, this energy is not felt, it's not sensed in the creatures. That which they feel and they sense, that's from the imminent energy. So we see that in truth, all the revelations and transmissions, even from the imminent energy, all comes and rooted from the ermakif. Uh, 
commissions Bartlett Pedicta Zion, like we learned earlier, chapter sixteen, Upedikov Zion in chapter twenty seven, the Sharsha Edish and Essence for Zagnuzes, Umash Eden Sof Shira Baatsmi Lahir Bikin Smidugvo. That the root of the energies, we're talking now the imminent energies, which is the ten hidden spheres, this is what the divine infinite light assessed, evaluated within himself and assessed and measured, allocated Lahir to radiate Bikin Smidavugvo in a measure and in parameters. That's the level of Malchus the Ensof, the end of the ten hidden spheres. From there comes the root of the imminent energy that will ultimately end up in first the Kav and then later in containers, Natsilas and creation. So what he proved from this now is that the root of the energies all begins in the Bligvul. That the Erein Sof didn't just start from Gvul, it started from an, an transcendent energy that allocated resources and assessed and, and said, okay, now we're going to have ten hidden spheres. That's what he explained chapter 16 and 27. Then he goes even further. Wherever you twist, he's sticking in Er Makif transcendence everywhere. He First he showed how it's in creation. Now he showed how even the, how, how also the life force comes from it. He Now he showed that even in its root, the root of the imminent is in the makif, and now he's saying v'chein la'achrat simtum. And also after the simtum, he's not leaving any stone unturned. Even after the simtum, kolam shachos ha'aprimi hu ma'ir makif v'nikra chayya chayim. All the transmissions of the imminent energy all are root or come from the transcendent energy, and it's called chayya chayim, the life of life. Ukemoi chamechayya chayim yit l'chachayim. Like we say, mechayya chayim, the one who Sustains life. The one who gives the giver, the bechay, the one who gives life to life, should give you life. So there's a person could be alive, and then there's a person who gives life, creates life force itself. What's the difference? So yes, imminent energy gives life, gives life to everything. But who gives life to life? That's the ermakif. He's talking about the Simpson, the Orient 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 Simpson, the in the way, the way that the revelations and the manifestations should take place, that's how they actually are transmitted and revealed in all the worlds and the spheres. So everything is rooted in this desire. Makif. Transcendence. Not only the shape of existence as it is, that you have leaves on trees, or you have chesed and gvura, or whatever it may be, but also the additional you know, there's new energy that comes into existence when we do, let's say, Aveda or something like that. Some, sometimes where there are times in the year where there's an additional surge of energy. It also is, comes from the transcendent energy that, that adds more energy within the primi. In other words, the primi is a channel of energy, but the source that's pushing it is always the transcendent, behind the scene. It's basically I would say it's a little more than that, but okay. Like in a time when an auspicious hour, auspicious hour, 
Now there's times there's auspicious times. We call let's say a tainus is an esrotzin, yemrotzin, Hashem. When it's an auspicious time above, then they transmit a higher state, a loftier state of giliyeres, of revelation of energies. The giluim fundamentally, that's imminent energy. That's what a gili means. And they transmitted specifically during a particular time, auspicious time. It means it's a specific, it's not makif. Makif is equal everywhere. So clearly you were talking about a specific time. So we're talking about imminent energy. Nevertheless, he's going to make the case that also transcendent energy is what drives it. Like in the time of the Besamigdash stood, when then there was the divine revelation of the divine infinite energy in all the worlds. To the point that even below, even down here in this earth, radiated a revelation. There was divine revelation. Everybody saw the revelation of the divine infinite light in the temple. Like it says, that three times a year, everyone who remembers you should come and see you. Just like, just like you came to be seen, you came to see. means we do and we know that seeing, vision, comes from an inner unification. Seeing is not just a small matter. Seeing is that you're having a revelation, an internal revelation that's coming from atmos, from the transcendent. I'm sorry, no, mistake. So this is this level of yeshir, the straight line, imminent energy. But this is an additional because energy, imminent energy, exists all the time in the whole world. In the base Hamikdash, when you came to see, you had an additional surge of imminent energy. One second, but nobody's going to make the case that it's rooted. And this took place only in a time when there was an auspicious time. Bizman harotzen. Ah, the word rotzen. means when there was a specific desire. Not just spiritually, but also physically, there was a abundant. Um, abundance, hashpa, abundant flow. Like it says, a man lived under his uh, vineyard. People had peace, they had a certain comfort, they had abundance, material abundance. As it's known that the inner unification is the soul for the outer unification of Abba Ve'ima, Chachman Bina. Valkain. And therefore, because there was an internal unification of Abba Ve'ima, internally, when, when they saw, when they came to the Besamidus, that's why it also expressed itself, there was abundance of energy also in the outer unification that they physically had abundance. And the same thing in the higher world, in the time of the Besamidus, there was a uh, there was a great abundance. There was increasing abundance. The commandment is al like it says in Gemara thirteen b. One verse says alofim It says one verse says there's thousands, tens of hundreds alofim, tens of thousands of gedudim uh, of legions of angels. Another verse says. Is there then a number? 
So one has a number, one doesn't have a number. So what does the Gemara answer? The no number is the one when the temple stood. And the number is when the temple does not stand. So there's ultimately a, a, a finite number. When the temple does not stand, Kayim is not standing, not uh, um, sustained. Then Kavyochel, so to speak, there was a diminishing in the Pamalia Shalmalia, in the family above, meaning in the group, in the angels above. So that's the Gemara saying. So he's well proving all this, seemingly is a little tangential, but we'll see where he's going with this. In the time of the Besamidish, there was an abundant Gilui, he's saying Beruchnis, Begashmis, and also Lamaila. Okay. Because when God's rotsin, God's desire, meaning his wanting to be connected to this earth through the Besamidish, was removed after the destruction of Smaita. It diminished. It diminished not just down below, it also diminished above the flow of energy. Like we say by the Mabel, where it says the Abish at the end of the Pasha Breshis, when he saw the world as being filled with crime. It says, He became, uh, it literally means atzvus, he became depressed, he became anxious. Vyasatsavali in his heart felt sad. Rashi explains it, what does that mean? But the point is, it says, Vyasatsavali, that means in spiritual levels there's a state where God is more revealed and there's a state where God is more concealed. So even though it's using a human term, but that's the same idea. When you're happy and you're 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 content, your rotsun is there, you reveal more. When your rotsun is not there, you reveal less. That's why it's connecting it all rotsun. So all this we're talking about is eris primim, because that's the base of Mish, but it's but it's rooted in rotsun. That's what he's leading up to. The Satsavalibe, when he's saddened in his heart, that causes a siluk, a removal of the energy and the life force. And when the when the desire is revealed, Nimshak Tesvaser then is transmitted an abundance, an additional, increasing energy. In a in an eternal way. You see, that's the bottom line. So, in truth, is in truth found in all the worlds and the Shtalshals. There's no excuse for not having transcendence, no matter where you are. There's no place that's empty of him. The Kotzkerebbe asked, was asked, where's God? Wherever you let him in. And, and, it, and, act, and it's active. It affects in all the worlds in creation and in revelation within them. And also the additional energies. Wherever you turn, Sevev is, is, is behind the scenes. Doctor, there's nowhere to escape. There's nowhere to run. God is concealed. Transcendence is right beneath the surface there's hope for mankind that's the bottom line 
however, with all of this, after this whole chapter, where you would think, okay, there's God, defendants, there's a critical qualification now coming. Because you think, and we have all our problems solved based on this. No? Rob? Don't we have all our problems solved? Why can't we take this to the bank? Exactly. That's the question. <laughs> yeah, because we are not uh, realizing, actualizing that underlying yeah. reality. So, ach, however, with all of this, I feel sad to even read this now. <laughs> if you read every line carefully, the Rebbe wrote this line, the Rebbe Rashab. Causes the transmission of this air makif and its effects is concealed. So Hashem Zen Nikra save of a makif. And that, because of that, for that reason, Hashem Zen, due to that, it's called save of, surrounds a makif and it's around. It means it's transcendent. It says that many places. Save of means to surround, makif also means to encompass. It's two words for, uh, sometimes you say save of Kalam Makif, it's very similar. I don't know if there's a, a real distinction I can make here, right? Anyway. And even though it's the primary source and cause for everything, nevertheless, it's only called Makif. The Fishu Behelam, because it's concealed. Like he writes there in Tanya chapter 48. So what does he mean when he says Seva Makiv? It doesn't mean it's outside of. It means in the context of Gili and Hashpa, revelation and transmission. It is above, meaning hidden. Because the transmission that is revealed in the world, that's called how Bosha it dresses up and mislabeshes and manifests in the world. Because they malbishim, they give, they are they 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 dress up, umasigim and comprehend the the transmission that they are receiving. But on the other hand, a transmission that is not revealed, but it's concealed and hidden, and the worlds cannot comprehend it, is not called manifest, only surrounding and encompassing. Meaning that that which the transcendent energies found everywhere and affects everything, Everywhere. This is not in the form of manifestation. An energy in a container to be comprehended in the world. There's no thought that can grasp him at all. Grasp you at all. Because there's no, there's no possibility for any type of grasping, containing and understanding at all. Even though he grasps and is the toughest, holds on to and contains all the worlds, less man the toughest bay. There's nothing, no one that can grasp him. What does it mean? And he grasps all the worlds. Meaning that all the revelations, mean he grasps the worlds? It means that all the revelations and all the transmissions are all according to his desire. 
the desire of God. And also the creation of all the worlds and the creations of Anagosom and their uh, and their governance. He governs and leads them, directs them, guides them according to his will. That the general works with the power of heaven. Meaning there's nothing he can do on his own. That's Pashtas what it means, right? Uh, how do you explain it? That he's ruling them as a as a matzbi, as a ruler. Okay, yeah, you could say the Kamazbi of it, Bikhel Shamaya. Bikhel Shamaya, meaning in the in the Tsvah Shamayim. Uh, I thought, okay, I thought it was... A, okay, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. But bottom line is that there's there's being ruled here by the higher, by a higher will. Nevertheless, nothing can grasp him at all. For them to have any type of grasping and comprehension of the infinite light, because not in the state, in any form of grasping or manifestation at all. For who and this is surrounds and encompasses all the worlds and all of cosmic order equally. Since he does not radiate with them in a revealed way, then inevitably, automatically, you can't. There are no levels within him. It could have been different. Like it could have been that he is not present in this particular color or in this particular. No, it couldn't be different. This is the way it is. He's stating what it is. Mitzad Atzmus, anything could be. We're not talking about Mitzad Atzmus. Mitzad Atzmus, there's no need for Seve or Mamala. Right. So the whole thing's not needed. We're not talking about that. We're talking about within the structure as we know it. Remember, if you want to see God, no man can see him and live. Why couldn't God let him see him and live? Because we're talking, the structure it is. If you are in your shape and form, you can't grasp that. If you want to have that, that has to be ungraspable. In other words, the definition of it being in existence is the same time, it's also the definition that it's not graspable by us. And the fact that he is present in every detail of this... So? That's, that's, the, that's the... Yeah, but he's present in a way that is, we have to relate to him through transcendence. Let's put it this way. If he, if Seva was present like Mamale, you know what the problem would be? We would become gods in our own eyes. There'd be no... No, 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 no. no we, we'd be no reason to be in awe of anything. What is pantheism from Spinoza? God is nature, nature is God. So yeah, you may have a little respect because he's giving you a little energy. But this sense of awe, of distance, wouldn't be there. This is why in the interface it's critical. You cannot just have a godliness that's intimate and internal. You have to have a sense of that's beyond you. But that's also here. Let's put it this way. We have to become comfortable that we're not in control of everything. There's nothing wrong with knowing there's a force within us that we cannot grasp. Who says that's the end of the world? Spinoza is only Mamala Kalam, there's no yeah, Sevav Kalam. No, 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 but I'm saying if you made Sevav into Mamala, you're just having the same problem. Then it's not trans, it's by definition. Let's put it this way if you can go into Kadesh Kadashim, like you walk on Eastern Parkway, without any awe and respect, because God is everywhere, and there's no ever an element of beyond you, you, you lack the real experience of godliness. Then you have a god on your terms. That's a very desire, ultimately. On the other hand, you can see Kedesh in every detail of, of, of creation. Ah, uh, but, 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 but why is it not 
why why can't you walk in? So why only once a year can you go Yom Kippur into Gehenna Shul Hashem? So it's concealed. That's the point. It's concealed. No, there was a there was an in Amida. No, it was more than Mamal. It was Sevev, probably even higher than Sevev. Actually, really, their their and bleak gvul were one. But that's not. Since no, no. Like, it can't Mala can't even create something, let alone unite with Bligvul. Mamala is there. Mamala has I'm talking about from the perspective of Atmos. So we just learned about all the Giluim that there was increased because of the Rat yeah, right, So that's it. Right. But but and then we just learned that it's all concealed. And we can't grasp it. That's the whole point. There are times when the yeah. So what did the kind get when he went in there and what way how would you describe it in, in you probably can't really describe it because it's uh, that's why it was unique. Um, it's a place where Gvul and Bligvul meet. It's where a place like saying where Atmos unites the, the the imminent and the transcendent. That's, I mean, there's different ways of Kodesh Kedoshim is explained, but that's. Uh, it also meets in Chachmas No, but no, you you go into Chachmas every day. The Kain Gadol went, went in for a few minutes to Kodesh yeah. You talk, you talk about it because you read about it. Right. We're talking about experiencing it, right. not talking about it. What will be Mashiach's times like? Do you know, Kodesh Kedoshim is a little taste of what's going to be Asad Lavi when we will see godliness. Forget about Kodesh Kedoshim. You just described just seeing the Beis Hamikdash without Kodesh Kedoshim. To see godliness, to experience godliness like it's as real as material, is to me a pretty big achievement. Kodesh Kedoshim is altogether a higher level. My point that I'm trying to say here is. That that, trend, that the way could it have been different? If it would have been different, we wouldn't have existence as we know it, and would never, on our terms, we'd never be able to relate to God. Now, the point here is an interface between an existence, a limited existence like ours, and how do we connect to something beyond us? So the point of all of this is there's transcendence. Look, he's not over. This is plenty more to come. There's transcendence here, but the transcendence, by definition, is also concealed, meaning it's beyond us. And, and a person experiences something beyond them. Who says that's less of an experience than when you experience something within you? If you, let's say, were in touch with Sevev, you know, like a Meshur not necessarily Sevev was premised by him. He also had a Sevev. There's nothing wrong with experiencing something in awe beyond you. It's just as real, if maybe more real, than experiencing that I own it or contain it. It's just a question of what the experience is. One is Ava, one is, one is closeness, one is beyond. The flaw of Ain Safe, as we're going to learn later. Okay. What were you saying? What are you asking? Okay. I mean, we experience doubting, doubting something too. That's, that's, sometimes when we, when we do it, when we get it sort of right. There's a taste, there's a small little, little yeah. taste. If, if, if we experience the divine in its full glory, we would not be who we are. We're learning about it and trying to integrate parts of it. You have a taste here and there, yeah. You know. On Shabbos, do you experience Sev of Kalama? Or Mamal Kalama? We're supposed to. Now, if you really apply yourself, you do, you do what you have to do, you can. Uh, don't underestimate the power of your Nefesh Abamis and the coarseness of our Yesh. At the end of the day, we're getting uh, inside information here. But there's still work to be done. Why is that? So 
we'll, we'll, we'll apply it. Let's first, let me finish here the chapter here. We're almost done here. Okay. He's going back now to all the distinctions. If you remember, he was talking about a whole bunch of distinctions between Rutzen and the faculties, desire and the faculties. And I said there were three, more than three. But there are three primary ones in Samach Vav and Amit Lareb is Maimer. He talks about three primary differences. One is that one is an Aaron Akeli. The other is that it's everywhere equal. The Rutzen. And the third is that it doesn't have any distinct levels. So he's going back to that. So he said number one is so he's not manifest, okay? So he says, so therefore, everything is equal. And now he also says, Because it radiates everywhere, it's not, they can't say there's distinctions and divisions and levels, hierarchy. The imminent energy, because it manifests and revealed in an internal way, therefore, there are levels, different levels, according to the measure, commensurate to the level, to the measure of revelation in each world and in each sphere. As we discussed at length earlier, the mailomata, the hierarchy of the, 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 of the structure of existence. Because according to the state of the worlds and the containers, that's how the transmission takes place. Meaning like the student and the teacher. Shefa. Right? Because the general energy is in order to live. He's going back. It has a function to do something in this unique existence. And it's initial root before the pre symptom is the energy that that measured within himself, the energy that they radiate with measure and parameters. And that's why it comes in a manifest way. And there's a measure, and there's a, a measurement, and a measure of the way this uh, this energy is transmitted. How it transmits in each level and level. And according to this way is the creation and the shaping of the containers and the worlds. And he manifests within them this imminent energy to give them life and to radiate within them. To illuminate in them. All this is hierarchy, distinctions, diversity. But the transcendent energy, the general energy is not to not function. It's essentially the revelation of the essence. And even in its espastus, as he said in the previous chapter, when it transmits, it's not in a form of manifesting internally. Only in a transcendent, out, out, uh, detached fashion. That's why in the Ermakif itself, in the, in, in the transcendent energy, there is no division of higher and lower. Varej v'seif. A head, a beginning and an end, a head and an end. And there's also no distinction in how it manifests in the world. Because it surrounds and encompasses all of the cosmic order. From the highest of levels to the lowest of levels, all equally. So within the save of itself, there's no difference. And also how it manifests, there's no difference. Kitzer. Summary. In truth, all the revelations and all creation comes from the desire, which is the transcendent energy. From the imminent 
energy alone, the Yesib Khin is Gili Primi, being that it's an internal revelation, an imminent revelation, from that cannot come the, the, the creation of existence, bringing it into being. Only rather through the power of the transcendent. And the parentheses he adds, Atzilus is ultimately imminent energy. And also the energy within all the creations is from God's knowledge. Which is the state of transcendent energy. And the same thing above. All the, the root of all revelations and and. All the energies and revelations is from the transcendent energy. And also the additional energy within the in, in, within the imminent is come the, from the transcendent. Like in the time of the temple, which was an Eisrotzen, the Makif was there, the Rotzen was there, the, the transcendent was there. So there was a revelation below. Below also in spiritual and also in physical, material. The only reason it's called makif is because it's not manifest in an eternal way. It's not sensed, it's not comprehended or sensed in the world. He grasps in everything and nothing can grasp him. One second. All come according to his desire. Okay. And that's why the imminent energy is in a form of divisive, a form of division and distinctions and diversity in the world. However, the, the transcendent energy is fundamentally not in a form of this, of, of the. the uh, divi- uh, what did I say? Diversity. And the same thing as it transmits in the world, it's also in an equalized way without any distinctions. So this was a very thorough summary on the nature of Makif and, and Seva of Kalaman, what its role is. But at the same time, it's a state of being beyond. Okay. So we did chapter 58, page 106 through the top of 